This podcast contains adult language and graphic content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. doing katie i'm good uh, i've had coffee now even though it's eight o'clock is it eight o'clock at night and you've had coffee oh no <laughs> which is why i just got us a medium and not a large you know it's the little things that it's make a difference things <laughs> so i'm doing pretty good how about you yeah i'm doing like i said like you said got me some coffee got you, so, got you a little coffee got me a little coffee and you're over strep Yes. But now Mikey has it. <laughs> I mean, it's just And the... Mason had it, her little one. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the natural order of things, you know. But, you know, Mason Mason was a, a, a brave enough young man to get the shot, and Mikey opted for antibiotics. So. Right. Yeah. Mason said, it'll make me better quicker. I mean, he was mad as hell. But... No. No. Don't lie on him. He was mad as hell he, over that shot. He told me himself mm. that he was just, that he just cried a little bit. Well, he lied to you. So. No, he, you're lying on him right now. Okay. Don't okay. lie on his name like that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> to the episode, to the story I got today. To the episode. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? I don't know. I always just say stuff weird. You do. Okay. Anyways. So... <laughs> One of my superpowers is making people uncomfortable. It's a nice superpower to have. It is. It really is. I thought for this episode I'd bring us home again. Well, back to East Tennessee, to Knoxville, actually. I never left. I I knew you were going to have something to say. I've I've lived here the whole time. I've actually never lived anywhere else. Katie, <laughs> I'm I'm you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> Anyways, Knoxville. Is where our story takes place. So not not far from us at all. No, about, about an hour, hour and a half up the road. Yeah. yeah. No, well, Knoxville would be like two hours, I guess. Depends on who's driving and which way you take. I mean, if I'm driving, it's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half. <laughs> it is said that stalking is homicide in slow motion. I actually learned that saying from a friend of mine who has recently been a victim of stalking. And it stuck with me. She read it on a poster at an abuse center that she goes to for, like, therapy and resources and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really, it, like, was true. It kind of strikes you because it, it is so true, and I've never heard it put that way, but it yeah. is very much so true. Homicide in slow motion. The case I have for you today is, unfortunately, proof of that saying. It is a lesson that red flags are something to take notice of and to pay attention to. That anyone can become a victim of stalking, no matter your age, and that it can escalate quickly. 
In 2014, Emma Walker was your typical teenage girl. She had a passion for animals and spent a lot of time volunteering at an animal shelter. Her other passion was cheerleading, and she made the team as a freshman at Central High School. She was actually the only freshman who made the team that year, which I thought was pretty cool. You saying like teenage girl in high school and she cheerleads, it just made me think of Chloe when you said that, your niece. She's like blonde like Chloe is. And so, uh, yeah, I kind of had a hard time with this one. But Emma was vibrant, kind-hearted, and just full of life. And like a tale as old as time, she caught the eye of the star of the football team. Classic. Classic. Wide receiver Riley Gall was two years older than Emma and a junior. Riley wasn't your stereotypical jock, though. He did pretty well in school. He was a top student and also loved video games. His friends would describe him as being kind of nerdy. He was raised by his mom and grandparents. At first, the relationship seemed pretty normal between the two. Emma's parents, Mark and Jill Walker, thought Riley was your typical boy next door. While they wouldn't let them go on any formal dates, he would come over to their house a lot. They would also hang out after football games to go grab a bite to eat and things of that nature. That was always the best after a football game on Friday night. Just just like normal stuff, you know. Just raid the Waffle House. The Waffle House? Yeah! Yeah. It was that and like La Coretta, which is a local Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was always a thing. Mm -hmm. However, the relationship was starting to take a turn and had become unhealthy. Like most typical high school relationships, they fought a lot. Very dramatic fights. They were on again and off again. Pretty frequently. I mean, me at 14 with my first serious relationship. (laughs) It was drama, drama, drama. What worried her parents and friends was that Riley began trying to control what Emma wore and where she went. He didn't have any interest in getting to know her friends and would try to isolate her. When she was at work, he would wait outside for her for hours. If things weren't going well for the two, he would threaten suicide a lot. Which, which, as we know, is a common manipulation tactic abusers will use. And that's so heavy on somebody, especially when you're a teenager. I mean, now, if a dude said that to me, I'd be like, okay, bye. (laughs) Which sounds shitty, but like, you don't don't get to put that shit on me. Right, exactly. You don't get to put that on me, but when you're 16. It's very I mean, you take that. Yeah, I mean, that's super heavy. And Mm -hmm. you don't want that on you. Nope. But at 16, you don't know that you can go, okay, bye. (laughs) Yep. Of course, the ones closest to Emma tried talking to her and tried pointing out these red flags they were witnessing. But like most teenage girls, she was stubborn and brushed it off. She believed she could handle it. I mean, when you're in it, red flags don't look so red. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't want to believe what you're being told. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty common. Yeah, I think we've all had something We've all in a ignored a red flag. Yeah, we've all had something in a relationship you look like on it now, and you're like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Riley just got more aggressive as time went on. They often used Snapchat to communicate, and the messages he would send her were alarming, to say the least. He would send her things like, I hate you. I hate everything about you. You're the biggest bitch I've ever come in contact with. He would, of course, backtrack after talking to her that way and say things like, Emma, I'm sorry for however I act to you. I love you more than words can describe. Which is just another manipulation tactic. Gaslighting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sir. 
No. Yeah, it like makes my blood boil. Then this next message is what really set her parents on high alert. He said, you're dead to me. I'll check the obituary. Oh, what the fuck? (laughs) Yep. Emma's parents confronted Riley about this, and he tried to say that he was just angry. Uh Uh-uh. That Mm -hmm. didn't make them feel any better about his behavior towards their daughter. I tell you right now, somebody ever sent that to one of my kids? Oh, yeah. I'm going to whip your parents. I'm going to whip your mama's ass. I'm going to whip your mama's ass in her front yard. And then I'll call police myself. I will call them myself. I will smile for my mugshot. I'm telling you right now. Uh -uh. Mm Uh-uh. Yeah, I know. Her parents took her phone, grounded her, and banned him from their house, hoping she would get some much-needed distance from Riley. And at first, things were calmer and back to normal. That tactic would prove to be futile because Riley gave Emma an iPod touch so that she could text him through Wi-Fi. They became sneaky and would always find ways to see each other, which, I mean, that's... That's what teenagers That's what teenagers do, but under these circumstances, it's alarming. Yeah. This tumultuous relationship goes on until the fall of 2016, when Emma finally breaks it off for good. Her parents could immediately tell a difference in their daughter. She seemed to be more at peace. During this time, Emma was a junior in high school and Riley was a freshman at Maryville College. Emma was getting back to her old self, while Riley did not take the breakup well. He was in his college dorm when he decided to take a handful of Vicodin pills and wash it down with alcohol in an attempt to commit suicide. If the other behavior he showed in the past wasn't proof enough that he needed psychiatric help, that incident certainly was. Absolutely. Friday, November 18th, 2016, Central High wins a playoff game. Emma was able to go to a friend's house to help celebrate the win. We take football really serious here in East Tennessee. It's a big freaking deal. So I'd imagine... Everyone was probably really pumped about the win. While at this party, things turned weird to say the least. Around 11.30 p.m., while at her friend's house, Emma starts getting strange text messages from an unknown number. The first one she gets says, I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them. So obviously Emma is pretty creeped out, but thinks it may just be Riley or one of his friends playing a prank. A few minutes later, though, Emma receives another text that is just stranger than the last. It said, he's in the ditch beside her house. It's a shame you can all of a sudden not value someone else's life. Emma and her friend Zach go outside to check things out, and what they find is shocking. There, laying face down in a ditch, was a body. Since it was so dark outside, they couldn't make out who it was at first. They get closer and find that it's Riley. Riley sits up and holds his head as if he's dazed and confused. Emma is crying and upset. She's just so overwhelmed and dumbfounded by the situation. What? Why? What, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> so you you already have your suspicions about this situation? I'm going to go with um, that was him texting and he <clears throat> went out there and laid his ass down in the ditch. <laughs> because he's a big fat dummy. <laughs> Emma asked him, you know, like, what happened? Why was he there? But Riley could give them little explanation. He didn't know why he was there or how he got there. He just knows he was kidnapped. I'm going to show this boy (laughs) kidnapping in a minute. I'm going to show him kidnapping. Katie, it legit gets weirder if that's even freaking possible at this point. See, I remember when this happened. 
Yeah, I do too. But I didn't know all this. Yeah. After being found, Riley just gets up and walks away. Just walks away. He ends up calling his friend Noah to come pick him up. To Noah, Riley seemed pretty out of it and looked fatigued. He tells Noah that these people knocked him out, took his car, and threw him in a van. Noah was skeptical of the whole thing, but suggests that they call the police. I mean, dude, you were just kidnapped. That should have been the first move. Number one. Yeah. But Riley insists on not getting the cops involved. I'm sorry. If I was kidnapped, I'd want the cops involved. Yeah, I would want the cops there immediately. That would have been the first thing I would have said after I don't know what happened. And then the second thing out of my mouth would have been, we need to call 911. Exactly. The next morning, Saturday, Emma was on her way home when she pulls into her subdivision. She sees a man in all black walking near her house. As she's getting closer, he quickly cinches the hood up and puts sunglasses on. So she didn't get a good look at the person. It kind of spooked her, but she continued on to her house. Emma actually had plans to meet her mom that day. So before she leaves the house, she sees the same person on her porch and they're trying their best to get into her house. They're turning the doorknob, banging on the door, and ringing the doorbell. Emma texts her friends and says, I'm home alone, and somebody in all black walked down my street and came to my door and rang the doorbell over and over again. I thought I was going to die. Emma, honey, calm down on one. Yeah. Emma is terrified at this point. It's the night after the alleged kidnapping of Riley, And now some person is on her porch in all black being pretty persistent that she comes to the door or that they get into the house. Mm -mm. She doesn't know what to do, but reaches out to the one person she knows will show up, Riley. She texts Riley and says, I'm shaking and crying. I hate you, but I need you right now. Riley responds with, I'm coming. I'm speeding. Just give me a minute. You know who else would have showed up as fast as they could? The cops. Yeah. Yeah. Riley gets there fairly quickly and searches the house and neighborhood, but doesn't find anything or anyone. Emma's mom, Jill, gets a bad feeling when her daughter doesn't show up to meet her and immediately heads home. When she pulls into the driveway, she finds Emma and Riley just standing there. She's pretty aggravated because Riley still isn't allowed at the house, and both of them knew that. He tries to tell her that he was only there to help Emma, but her mom wants to hear nothing of it and tells him he needs to leave which he does. She tries to calm her daughter down and take her mind off what Emma believed was someone trying to break into her home. The night of November 21st, Mark Walker was awoken by a loud noise. To him, it sounded like someone opened a door and then slammed it. He goes to Emma's room first to check on her. He stares at her for about 20 seconds. She was sleeping, so he shut her door and went to check on Emma's brother. He was also asleep. So he just thought he was hearing things and went back to bed. The next morning, Emma's mom goes to wake Emma up for school. First, she says Emma's name, but doesn't get a response. So she goes over and bumps her leg, but still no response. She looks at Emma's face and immediately knows something is wrong. She felt for her pulse, but couldn't find one. Jill then calls 911. Once police get there, it doesn't take them long to figure out what happened and that the Walker's house was, in fact, a crime scene. Emma Walker had been shot to death in her sleep. Someone had fired two bullets from outside the home and into the walls of her bedroom. One lodged into her pillow. The other bullet struck Emma behind her left ear, which killed her instantly. Spent 9mm shell casings and a live round were uncovered outside the home in the grass. 
Neighbors said that they heard gunshots around 3 a.m. Word of her death spread and everyone was devastated, obviously. Riley didn't waste time to memorialize Emma. He wrote on Facebook, That's my beautiful Emma. Rest easy now, sweetheart. Police started questioning family and friends, trying to get a handle on who would have the motive to do something like this. Riley Gall's name came up pretty much right off the bat. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) They were told all about their relationship and his controlling habits. They were also told about all the strange things that had been happening to Emma in the days leading up to her murder. A witness also told investigators that she believed Riley had been the person in black who was on Emma's porch that day before her death. Me too. Yeah. I also believe that. So they wanted to talk to Riley ASAP. During questioning, Riley denied having anything to do with Emma's murder. He stated that he did try contacting her multiple times the day before she died. He said in the interrogation, and I quote, I just told her, um, how much I loved her and, uh, that I was sorry she didn't want what we had anymore. She said she didn't care about the relationship anymore. Unquote. As she shouldn't. Yeah. He stopped calling her after that and went to his grandparents. After that, he said he went back to his college campus where he sat in his car in the parking lot just crying over the breakup while looking at pictures of them together. Riley's roommate said that Riley came back to the dorm close to 4.45 a.m. Hmm. Well, that's a quinkadink. Yeah. All of this was extremely suspicious to investigators, but they didn't have solid evidence to hold him. Not yet, anyway. Riley had confided in two friends, Alex and Noah, about a 9mm that belonged to his grandfather. He asked them how you remove fingerprints from a gun, and that he needed to dispose of it. He was still denying killing Emma, but was worried that law enforcement would end up finding it and would try to pin the murder on him. These two boys... What? Excuse me? Yeah. He's like, I didn't kill anybody, but how do you get your fingerprints off the exact gun that was used to kill my ex-girlfriend, who I've had several issues with, by the way? (laughs) Um, no. These two boys contacted police and told them that they wanted to help with the investigation. They came up with a risky but brave plan. They planned a sting operation. Riley thought the plan was to dispose of the gun in the Tennessee River. But little did Riley know that his friends were wearing wires, and right before he could dispose of the 9mm handgun, police swooped in and were able to get a hold of the gun. They took Riley into custody that night and charged him with first-degree murder. There were six other felony charges, which included stalking, tampering with evidence, theft between $500 and $1,000, and possession of a firearm and a dangerous felony. Riley had been out on bond until his court date rolled around on Tuesday, May 8th, 2018. I would just like to point out that May 8th is my birthday. I, I couldn't say that without saying that it was my birthday. Anyways, the ballistics report showed that the bullet that killed Emma came from the 9mm handgun that was stolen from Riley's grandfather's vehicle. Data from Riley's phone also showed that he'd been near Emma's home at the time the fatal shot was fired. All these crazy coincidences. Right. I'm so shocked. Riley and his lawyer, Wesley Stone, admitted that he fired the gunshot. However, they argued that Riley never meant to actually kill Emma. It was just a misguided attempt to scare her enough so that 
she would go running back into his arms. Prosecution argued that Riley continuously told one lie after another to investigators the morning of Emma's death. They also argued that he staged his own kidnapping, stalked her home, and was the one who banged on her door, making her think someone was trying to break in. Essentially, fabricating suspects for when he actually killed Emma. So what, so like their line of thinking was he made this whole plan of someone stalking Emma so that when he killed her, that would be their first suspect. Right, they wouldn't go after him. Yeah. So that's what prosecution argued. He's such a bright young man. <laughs> she says sarcastically. Mm-hmm. And with all the menace in her voice. As much disrespect as I could possibly get to seep out of my body. <laughs> Paul's attorney admitted that Riley made the whole kidnapping incident up. But it was only because he wanted to see Emma again. He completely denied him being the one who was on her porch the day before she died. Prosecution also argued that Riley was familiar with the Walker's home. So familiar that he would know where to aim to inflict the most damage to Emma. Riley's defense disputed that by stating an 18-year-old wouldn't have that kind of understanding. He basically said there was too much assumption in that line of thinking. You would have to assume that Riley knew how many pillows she was laying on and how her head was positioned. Riley's attorney stated in court, My client was her hero. As crazy and bizarre as it sounds, he was hoping to come to her rescue. I know, I was appalled when I read oh that. my God. I know, I was, I had to like, I shut my laptop for a second while I was reading that. You said his name was what? Wesley Stone? Yes. Hey, Wesley. I just want to talk, bud. <laughs> I just want to talk, pal. I, we're an hour and a half away from each other. I'll meet you in the middle. But I just want to have a chit-chat. I just want to talk, <laughs> my man. This is a 16-year-old girl we're talking about. Yep. I just want to chat. Yep. I know. The jury did not buy this argument. No more than we do. And after four hours of deliberation, they convicted Riley Gall of first-degree murder, which carries a mandatory life sentence in Tennessee. He was also found guilty on stalking, tampering with evidence, reckless endangerment, possessing a firearm during a dangerous felony, and theft between $500 to $1,000. Riley is eligible for parole after he serves 51 years in prison. He would be in his 70s. <laughs> Bye, Riley. Bye. Emma's parents and her younger brother, Evan, have been focusing on keeping Emma's spirit alive. Friends and family raised money to name a NICU room in her honor at East Tennessee Children's Hospital in Knoxville. Emma's dream was to become a NICU nurse. Jill, her mom, is also committed to bringing awareness to teen dating violence and what to look for. She says, if your teen won't listen to family, tell them to listen to their friends. There's a reason why all your friends don't like who you're dating. She also says to monitor phones closely. And I agree, Snapchat is a huge problem because teens, I mean, you're having a conversation with someone and it erases almost instantly, if not yeah. within 24 hours. So, and I and say this as someone with Snapchat, but I didn't have Snapchat at 16 either. Right. So. I mean, I did. And I know, like, my nieces have it. Like, I'm not, you know, and they're responsible. Right. Like, I had it as a teenager, but still, you get those people that would add you as a friend or something. Mm -hmm. And this happened to me and my friends. This was a common happening when I was in high school. You would get these random strangers that would add you on Snapchat, and you're a teenager. And, you know, teenagers don't think very logically, and you would just add this person back, and then boom here's a random picture of a middle-aged man's penis and this would happen to like me and my friends all the time yeah i mean it's stuff like it's that scary. that goes on people that talk to you and say oh i'm 17 i'm your age but really it's a 72 year old man creep assing 
Yeah, it's it's definitely an issue. Mm-hmm. According to stalkingawareness.org, it's estimated that 13.5 million people are stalked in in a one-year period in the U.S. More than half of all victims of stalking indicated that they were stalked before the age of 25, and nearly one in four were stalked before the age of 18. And the vast majority of victims are stalked by someone they know. And according to NCADV.org, which stands for National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, 76% of women murdered by an intimate partner were stalked first, while 85% of women who survived murder attempts were stalked. And stalking is just one of those things that gets reported over and over and over by a victim of stalking. Yes. And police never take it seriously. They say, well, the only thing that you can do is... Try to get an order of protection, an order of protection from them. And then you go to court to get your order of protection. And the judge says that you have insufficient evidence and doesn't give you that order of protection. And still, you know, I would say the majority of the time, even if you get one and a judge grants you the order of protection, it's just a piece piece of paper to a lot of people. It's just a, it's, it's just a piece of paper. And sometimes, you know, law enforcement, their hands are tied when it comes to stalking. I mean, if it's not an outright threat or, you know, if the stalker is able to cover up their tracks pretty well, it makes it hard to find evidence of stalking sometimes. And it's even harder, I think, with cell phones and technology. It's even it's easier for for someone to stalk another right. person. Because, I mean, you can put but apps in people's phones where you can listen to audio. Yeah. I actually had someone that I knew that it was her ex-husband that did that to her. Mm-hmm. He could listen to, he had audio from her, like, in personal situations where he wasn't around. Yeah. And it was something along those lines, like, he had installed something in her phone somehow. And yeah, I- it's wild. And it's just, like, at the beginning of the episode, when I said, you know, stalking is homicide in slow motion. Mm-hmm. It just builds and builds and builds and builds until it comes to a head. And then a lot of times it is too late. Yeah. If you think that you're being stalked and things have happened get cameras put them everywhere outside I'm your house i'm a big fan of a ring doorbell i mean I ring have, doorbells i have them all around my house just because i feel i just feel safer having them you know it records it saves on your phone yeah get that get some cameras to put outside also i think it's really important to write down get a little journal or a notebook and write down every time something happens every little thing yeah i'm going to link a domestic violence hotline in our show notes, like the website and the phone number you mm-hmm. can call. So if you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence or stalking, please go on that website, find resources to help. Because there is, there's ways out there to get out of that situation. There are. There are centers and, you know, there are, there are places for victims, but you have to advocate for yourself. And even though that's really hard to do. And it's scary. Yes, my friend who is a victim of stalking, she's had to do a lot of advocating for herself. And she is not being silent about her situation, and I applaud her for that. Mm-hmm. I really do. So, that's the episode today, and it had a... I mean, it was heartbreaking, but... And I think it's just because it was so senseless, you know. There was zero, zero, zero reason for this to happen. Yeah. So... And so young. Very young. Well, that was sad. But I'm glad that But it was, it needed to be there, you know, awareness. Is, it's an important story yes. to tell. Because Aware, of awareness that. is and always important. I do feel like 
to her, like her mom doing all these things specifically for under 18 teenage domestic mm-hmm. violence and relationship violence. That is something I feel like doesn't get spoken about. It doesn't. Often. A lot of people don't think that, you know, you're looking at two, uh, like two teenagers who are in love. You don't think, or that are dating, you don't think, oh, there could be a domestic situation because you you think of domestic violence as two people living together. Right. And they don't have to be no, living together. No, it doesn't together. have to be that. At, not at all. There can be so much abuse in a relationship and people, and they, you know, they don't live together. And I would and say. It, it, it could be right under your nose and you don't even know it. I would say, especially with teenagers, with as emotional, with hormonal changes and everything that's going mm-hmm. on, I would say that psychological abuse is one of the biggest things that happen. Emotional. In teenage relationships. Gaslighting happens. I mean, I know I had it, like, with mm-hmm. one of my first serious relationships. It was, I mean, we were good at first, but it was just, and I was, you know, like a freshman in high school. Like, yeah, it was constant with the gaslighting and, you know, somehow him going and sneaking around behind my back and like hanging out with other girls was my fault. And I was made to feel Mm -hmm. guilty about it. I mean, and it did get physical one time and it was even in public. You know, I got hit in the face in public at 14 years old, which I mean, mama didn't raise no bitch and I keep his car, but... (laughs) <laughs> we're not advocating for that no don't do that do it but no uh, <laughs> it's liberating try it sometime if your man hits you break or harm his most favorite item which was his car don't don't do but don't well because do also well you knew who he i'm not saying that because you just don't know how someone can escalate and i was like you ain't gonna call the cops you just punched me in the face and the lady at yankee candle saw you do that and offered to call 911 you you're calling nobody honey you're calling nobody so here's this key just right down the side of his car both sides both sides <laughs> yeah you 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 covered your bases there yeah i was 14 cops don't come after me it's been too long sorry <laughs> hate that for you but yeah i I do honestly though i do feel like it's one of those things and that was the relationship that i look back on i was like what was i doing but i was 14 exactly and it and you know and 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 even but even if you're not 14 years old 16 years old you know even if you're grown if you are in a situation it's like a bubble Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, red flags don't look so red when you're no, in it. not when you're in you it. Can, you can even be kind of colorblind. That's why it is so important to listen to those you trust. If 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 there's a situation and your friends, your family are like, listen, this does not add up. This does not sound right. I'm worried about you. Listen to that. Listen to them. Especially you saying, listen to your friends. There's a reason that all of your friends don't like this person. Mm-hmm. If you think that you're, you know, your mom or dad are just being picky about who you're with or whatever, listen to your friends. If all of them collectively don't like this man or woman that you are with, there's a reason that all of them don't like this person. And I think that's a really good piece of advice that you gave. Please listen to your friends, especially and check on your friends. If you're worried about your friend, reach out, check on your friend. If they're in a new relationship and they're, you know, all of a sudden oscillating themselves, if that person becomes their entire world is not normal. For someone to become your entire world it is so easy for that to happen but it is so important to keep your friendships and other like you know relationships with your family and if that if you see someone withdrawing themselves check on them definitely check on them mm-hmm. and i feel like now with social media like if they have always been on social media and all of a sudden a month or two or even a few months after they're with this person 
they don't have social media or they quit posting like selfies yeah they delete their social media and if like you know it's an on and off thing oh i have it today i have to delete it tomorrow like check on them when weird things are happening like that because i feel like social media is a good key that we have with that like yeah it's it's like a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time like if you just all of a sudden deleted all of your social media i'll kill mikey yeah Listen, Mikey did end up deleting his social media before I would. Mikey would never do anything. like. <laughs> but, I mean, Katie and I are not professionals whatsoever. But we are women. And mm-hmm. we've all been, unfortunately, just statistically, this is our life. Yeah. But we've all been in this kind of situation at some point. In a not good situation. So just, you know, pay attention to your friends. Stay close. Listen to each other. And... Don't go down quietly if you're a victim. Stay safe. Yeah. Don't isolate yourself further. Mm -mm. Speak up. Speak out. And stay safe. Reach out for help. And with that, we're going to end the episode. Well, that was a really good one. I know. It was a really good one. I've I've not, like I said, I had heard. I remember when this happened because I was Mm -hmm. in high school and I was her age. Yeah. (laughs) I was 16. So I remember when this happened. But the only thing they ever talked about was the fact that he knew how she slept. So he shot her through the wall. Mm -hmm. And I never heard all this other stuff. So, yeah, that was pretty wild. But thank you for sharing. You told it really well. Thank you. All right. Let's go eat some wings. Let's go eat some wings. Bye, y'all. Oh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) All of the sources we used for this episode will be linked in our show notes. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing. And our friend Avalyn Yulaberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is M3Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. (laughs) 